just sometimes you become aware in worship of a peace that passes understanding and when that happens be thankful for it is the presence of the Lord just tonight it seemed to me we would turn to a particular event that took place in the life of Jesus whatever else the healing ministry of the church is it is the continuation of the healing ministry of Jesus it's not something we do or make up this is simply a continuation of that ministry that he engaged in he was a preacher a teacher and a healer and if you get one out of three or two out of three you've not got the whole package the job of the church is to teach to preach and heal end of that's our mission and there are many healing stories in the in the gospels and in the old testament for that matter uh, each one with a different emphasis a different insight a different understanding of what it is that jesus sought to demonstrate the power of God in the midst not everybody got healed not everybody was healed in the way they thought they should be and remember when we talk about the healing ministry of Jesus we're talking about the holing ministry of Jesus we're talking not about the curing ministry of Jesus we're talking about that which makes people whole which releases them from the things that rob them of the peace that Jesus came to bring we're talking about that which sets us free to live and to know and to die death is part of life and it's a part that's been taken care of it's a part that's meant to be and we live in a culture where death has to be avoided at all costs. We like to think of death as that which happens when you're well past your cell by date. But of course it isn't like that. Death is no respecter of time, age, circumstance. It's part of life. And it has been said, until you come to terms with your death, you won't come to terms with your life. So what we hear tonight is a fairly dramatic incident in the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus was not into the dramatic. Yes, he bore witness to the glory of his father. But very often, particularly in the healing ministry, he would tell people to keep quiet. For he didn't want people following him because of some miracle. He wanted them to follow him out of their own longing, out of faith, out of trust. And the story we turn to tonight is a familiar one, I'm sure, to you all. It's the death of Lazarus. Now, 
We could get very intellectual and clever, and there are some of you here perfectly capable of that. <laughs> Why was John the only gospel writer to write this down? It doesn't matter. You can think about that at home tonight. The fact is, we have this story before us in chapter 11 of John's Gospel. And it was so hugely significant, this event. It transformed many people's lives. Some believed because of this event. Some deepened their opposition to Jesus because of this event. Some Jews jumped ship and followed him and saw him instead. It's a lengthy story. Let me read you a small part. I'm beginning at I'm beginning at verse 38. Bring you up to speed, you know the story. It's a story of a very human Jesus. Somebody that wept with grief. Death may well be part of life. It may well be a part that's been taken care of. But that doesn't necessarily mean you escape from the grief and the loss, which is a natural part of life as well. So Jesus, we see in this story, as a very human being. A friend of his has died. It's as simple as that. Somebody he was close to. He liked their sisters as well. They were a family he got on with. A family I like to think he could escape to and kick his shoes off and say, that mob out there, they haven't a clue. And he'd have a drink with them and he'd have a meal with them. And he could just be fully human. And Lazarus dies, the brother of Martha and Mary. And we see in this picture, we see in this story, that humanity of Jesus, capable of weeping for the condition of himself and of another. And for me, that is enormously comforting, that Jesus understands what it is to be fully human. We sometimes so religious that we forget we're talking about the man that said, I've come that you have life and have it to the full. I haven't come that you have religion and have it to the full. So we get this picture of the very human Jesus weeping because he hears of his friend's death. There's other insights, of course, in the story. The, the if only that always accompanies death. If only I had, if only we had, if only the ambulance had, if only the medics had, if only we hadn't. And Mary and Martha saying, if only you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. You've got to be careful of the if onlys in life. 
Sometimes you just plain have to forgive yourself, which is much more difficult than forgiving other people. You sometimes even have to forgive God. So we get to the stage when Jesus has come to the family in Bethany, and we read this. Deeply moved once more, Jesus went to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone placed at the entrance. Take the stone away, Jesus ordered. Martha, the dead man's sister, answered, there will be a bad smell. There will be a bad smell, Lord. He's been buried for four days. There was an understanding in that culture that, let me get this right, that somebody dies and for four days the spirit won't, within them won't actually depart until after four days. Hence the four days that Lazarus was dead before Jesus gets to him. He's been buried for four days. And here's Martha, you see, obsessed with kind of the human side of life. You'll smell. Forgetting the divine part of life. How often we miss God, I think, because we're so caught up with the human condition. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believed? They took the stone away and Jesus looked up and said, I thank you, Father, that you listened to me. I know that you always listen to me, but I say this for the sake of the people here, so that they will believe you sent me. And after he said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. If we've had the human Jesus, here's the divine Jesus. Here's the Jesus that has authority over life and death. Here's the Jesus that God so loved the world that he sent. Here's the Jesus in whom we can trust for all things, even death itself. And Lazarus came out, his hands and feet wrapped in grave clothes and with a cloth round his face. Untie him, said Jesus, and let him go. It was an enormous event. And many who saw it just were overwhelmed. Just a few days later, Jesus goes into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday. You can see why the, the crowds cheered. They had seen this event. You can see why the Jews wanted to kill Lazarus. Because he had become a symbol of an authority on earth that was greater than any human authority. But supremely the story is about 
the victory of Jesus over all things. It's also about a sign that death hasn't got the last word. It's meant to be, as I said. It's a part that's been taken care of. It's as necessary as birth. And can you imagine the wee babe inside not wanting to come out? Or refusing to come out? I mean, that does happen, I know. You have to open them up and go in and bring them out. But here was Jesus saying to people through this miracle, yes, I will die. I, I am not going to be um, released from or escape from the inevitable. I will die. And I will be very dead. And I will die unjustly. And I will die through evil, through religion, through politics, through bigotry, through prejudice. That's what will kill me. But it won't have the last word. Hence Good Friday. Nothing able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the faith we proclaim. That's the faith by which we live. I can't understand why they're not pouring in to hear some good news. It's perhaps because we're not telling it. It's perhaps because we put so many riders and hoops to jump through and it might and if only and you'd better. Whatever. Whatever. Here is Jesus demonstrating once and for all his authority, his divinity and saying to his followers do not be afraid. I don't want to belittle at all the grief and the sorrow and the sadness that the death of another, especially one close to us, can bring about. But we do live in a culture that avoids death at all costs, that has no coping mechanisms other than denial. We do live in a culture where people are afraid of death and dying, confused by it. And maybe the church has added to their confusion at times. And so because we live in that culture, we have it in a way to proclaim that Jesus is Lord of death. And to ourselves believe that nothing in heaven or on earth can separate us from that love of God. It's an amazing story, just one of the many. It's a reminder that the life we lead is eternal. It's more than this. 
It also, I think, encourages us to turn to the Lord and quite rightly ask for his healing touch. Just because death's inevitable or just because we live in an imperfect world where disease and accident and and hurt pervades our life doesn't mean to say we can't seek his healing. And healing is not something we deserve. We don't have to earn it. Healing is something we need. Sometimes emotionally, sometimes physically, sometimes intellectually. And whole communities need that healing touch. There are many churches that need healing for past sins or present disquiet. I love the way that that little passage that we read ends. Lazarus comes out of the tomb because of that authoritative word of Jesus. He comes out of the tomb and we're told that he's tied up with bandages. And Jesus says, untie him. Some of us get tied up with bandages. Bandages that we've put on ourselves. Bandages that parenting, teaching, teachers have put on us. Bandages the church has put on us. Untie for freedom. Christ has set us free. So tonight we have opportunity to receive that touch of authority, that touch of love, that touch from the one who knows what it is to be fully human. and the one who knows what it is to be fully divine. Jesus is Lord. I thank God for Lazarus. The next time we hear of him, he's having a meal with Jesus. That's what I call healing. And we have opportunity many times to have a meal with him.